phantoms were just as suddenly gone. The second cop had seen the three cars only in a blur, but still he knew they were breaking a long list of laws. Speeding, going down one-way streets, reckless driving, driving without license plates, and most probably carrying illegal jamming equipment. All this second policeman could do was head off in the same direction in which the three fast cars had disappeared. But as soon as he pulled out of his hiding spot, he nearly collided with the first squad car, which had reached his position at almost the same moment. All this time, both officers had been frantically trying to contact their colleague in the third squad car to tell him the racers were probably heading in his direction and to drop the spike strip. But the interference on the radios continued unabated and communication seemed impossible. As it turned out, The cop in squad car number three had heard the trio of racers approaching. The highly modified cars made a lot of noise when their engines were at full throttle. At that point, he jumped out of his car and flung the spike strip across Route 117 right near the Chief Kisco statue. Then, he'd retreated behind his cruiser, not knowing what to expect once the speeding cars hit the spikes. But that didn't happen. Showing off their incredible driving skills, the three drivers simply avoided the spike strip by going up and over the curb and driving along the road's shoulder until they were past the tire-popping device. They did this while going in excess of 100 miles per hour. After that, the road straightened out and the three cars simply upshifted to their highest gear and were gone. It was only later that the Mount Kisco police realized their tip had come from one of the racers themselves. Being chased by the police was part of the allure of illegal street racing. Mount Kisco was located in upstate New York, about ten miles east of the Hudson River, and just a half hour north of New York City. With a population of 10,000, The town was known as a bedroom community for high-price executives who worked in Manhattan, as well as a haven for the mega-rich. Secluded places like Guard Hill, Mount Kisco Chase, and Glassbury Court had homes so extravagant that only the fabulously wealthy could afford them. The downtown business district was made up mostly of designer boutiques, posh clothing stores, foofy coffee shops, and expensive restaurants and at close to 200 acres, the Mount Kisco Country Club took up nearly one-tenth of the town. But Mount Kisco had a poor section, too. The Lexington Avenue neighborhood on the west side was home to families living below the poverty line. Most townies avoided the area, though this was where drugs could be bought. Local high school kids, pupils of nearby John Jay Prep School, SUNY students, and even some residents from the affluent east side were known to visit Lex Ave on occasion. Weed was especially easy to obtain there, usually at reasonable prices. Still, the town's crime rate was very low. Since the police had so little to do, they frequently harassed the local teenagers at their hangouts, like the Applebee's on Main Street. And they especially enjoyed busting up underage drinking parties at Pride Rock and under the town's water tower. Stopping the town's rash of illegal street racing, however, was still a work in progress. There was an auto repair garage just north of downtown called Marshall Motors. It was a well-known place, having been in business for 40 years. 
It was a large, square, open building with a washed stone facade, many windows and a rather grand covered entrance reminiscent of a hotel. Signs on the outside advertised body work and tune-ups. There were four bay doors, plus room for many cars out front and along the sides. On this day, a handful of cars were parked outside, all with various ailments waiting to be serviced. Inside, a 2004 Taurus was on the main lift, getting its brakes redone. In the next bay over, a 2007 Neon was awaiting its inspection sticker. Next to the Neon, a classic 1970s Chevelle, stripped of chrome and glass and covered in primer gray, was about to go into the paint booth for its final coat. The garage was a highly organized place, with hundreds of car parts neatly sorted on shelves and walls. Canisters of premium...